I can't hear you anymore. Be quiet. I was about to do my intro. <laughs> Jesus. Good evening, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Geeks Who Haunt. Tonight, I am joined by Lord Commander Ulrich and... Oh, Jesus Christ. Never mind. Hold on. I'm sorry. I forgot your name. <laughs> That's perfectly okay. Um, it's not like I, he's been on the I, show I, a bunch. Nice to meet you. My name is Chris. <laughs> I know that. As soon as I had my little thing, I was like, oh, yeah, it's Chris Chipman. Okay, let's start. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> okay. Can you Three. keep that audio? No, everything sounds good, so. All right. Three, two, one. Good evening, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Geeks Who Haunt. Tonight, I am joined by Lord Commander Ulrich from Geeks with Shields. Okay, I guess he's not going to speak. And <laughs> Chris Chipman, how is everybody tonight? Well, this is our second intro, so I'm just not going to try and interrupt you. I don't want you to forget someone's name again. <laughs> not like anyone in this room would ever forget my name. Hiya, guys. I'm Chris Chipman. <laughs> Tonight's episode is the season finale of Geeks Who Haunt. And since I won't be back, in, be back until the end of the decade, I thought it would be fun to go back and look at this decade's horror movies so strap in boils and ghouls because this is going to be a long one all right guys let's talk horror what specifically like me like we, horror we like horror we all you know are here because we like horror and i'm here because you made me watch a lot of bad horror movies this year and i kind of wanted to talk about some good ones um all right that's it for this season goodbye guys <laughs> <laughs> hey, so so wait a minute. So you said good horror movies, but this list you put together, right? I got a bone to pick with it because it has the um, 2010 Nightmare on Elm Street on it. Um, what what goes up on with that, huh? So we basically, because we didn't get to see a lot of the horror movies, or what well, we did, but not like, you know, a lot is like the critics and stuff. So we just went online and pulled from what the internet said was like the top top horror movies of the decade and stuff and we're kind of just going off of that plus what we kind of know so and that one's on there not because it's good but because it's noteworthy yeah in that remember when they were going to try and reboot all those classic you know slasher films and they all failed and then they didn't do any more after that yeah Yes, I do. I do recall. Um, and and I, I'll give you that it was noteworthy um, and, and we'll get into why I, I don't know if you want to do this as a list um, Slagathor, or yeah, let's go ahead and talk about that. You want to start oh, with sure. Nightmare on Elm Street? What? Yeah, of course. Why not? So, did did either of you guys see it? Oh yeah, it was it was bad. Oh whatever, I liked it. You like crap. <laughs> well, no, see, see that that's an interesting point because my buddy Steve, who who I trust a lot on these things, loved it, and he was like going on and on and on and sat me down to see it, and I watched it, and I'm like, you know, this is a great idea like a good angle for this. And I, I like, um, you know, the guy playing Freddy Krueger, Jackie Earl Haley is amazing. And he's actually amazing in it. Like I, I love him as Freddy Krueger. It just, the movie's completely flaccid in my opinion. It, it, it tries to make up this like ballsy move of like, well, what if Freddy actually didn't do it? 
And then when it gets to the reveal, it's just like, nah, nah, he did. And it's like, well, then why'd you spend the whole fucking movie on that? Like, there's nothing new or interesting here. Yeah, that was my takeaway. Jackie Orley's fucking blowing the doors off with this performance, but the rest of the movie is long and boring and uninspired. And, and yeah, cheap. That, oh, so cheap. I know, but I still enjoyed it for what it was. So, I don't know. I'm a very simple person well, to please. What was it that it was? It was, a, in my opinion, a cheap copy of the original. And you love the original Nightmare. Like, that's one of your foundational horror films. Yeah. Was it just you have a low bar for horror movies? Yeah. Do you see? I mean, older guys. <laughs> We, we've already discussed this and said that my bar for horror is very low. But I don't know. I really liked his performance. It yeah. was good. I mean, at least to me, it was comparable to the original and stuff. And yes, yeah. I do agree that it was kind of boring and stuff. I don't know. I Even though I recognize it was boring and there's a lot they could have done and a lot they could have fixed, I still enjoyed it. It was I don't know. It was just simple to me, and I like that. Okay. Well, let's talk about another one real quick since we can segue. The Thing prequel remake thing. Am I the only one that remembers that? I don't remember that. So so I'm going to tell you something. I um, I have not seen this and kind of refuse to. Um, and, and, and let me tell you why. And, and since you seem to have seen it, um, Ulrich, you can probably tell the group, but um, on principle of the fact that somebody making this film seemed to be trying really hard. And in all of the advertisements early on in like Fangoria and online, they're like, oh, we're doing everything practical and this and that. And then the production company got cold feet and went and re-edited all the effects and redid them digital or added digital stuff. And I saw like snippets and it just looked so bad that I didn't want to go anywhere near it. Yeah, from the story I heard, the studio stepped in and said, no, 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 no one likes practical effects, CG over all of it. And the movie was done. And that is unfortunate. The story is pretty good because it's set in the Norwegian base before the events of the original thing. And you still get a lot of the body horror. It doesn't work as well because the CG isn't that great. And where this one really kind of falls apart, doesn't work, is that it tries to reinvent the motivation or give new motivation to the thing in that it just wanted to get off the planet. It's like, no, don't give it motivation. It Not having a known motivation was kind of made it good. You didn't know what it wanted or what it was. And it's ultimately just okay. The CGI, it's not good, but some of the things are really great. Like there's a scene where mutates and busts out and leaps onto somebody and then presses its face to his face and the skin fuses and then it drags him away which that's pretty awesome even if it isn't poorly done cgi yeah i vaguely am starting to remember this now that you're talking about it and stuff and i just have to say if i can't even remember it and i know by now that I watched it, it's probably not a good it's, movie. It's not that memorable. And I opposed it for the longest time because I love The Thing. That is one of my top 10 yeah. favorite horror movies of all time. And I refused to see a remake. And then I saw and heard how much passion went into it. And I heard it was okay. I gave it a try. And ultimately, it is just okay. I, it, that's that's all there is to it. it it's nothing special. And like, like I said, it's kind of forgettable. 
so maybe I'll check it out then. That that's not the like horrible takedown I was expecting. Um, a segue for me, um, because something that I didn't get to add to this list because I I hadn't been thinking about it. Um, have either of you guys seen the void? That reminds me of the uh, from from the thing jumping onto there. I've never um, heard of the void. Yeah, maybe explain a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm looking it up to make sure I, I don't botch it. So um, so the void came out in 2016. Is this ultra low budget um creature feature kind of thing? I'm Lovecraftian. Um, it reminded me kind of like uh, Event Horizon would be a good way to describe the type of horror movie that it is. This is, is starting to sound familiar. Go on. Um, it's it's very low budget, but it's really well done for the low budget. And and the more it gets weird and the more it gets like nightmare logic-y, the better it is because it starts off kind of slow. Um, it was from Jeremy Gillespie and Stephen Kostansky. I had this all, all figured out and I want to look up their names again just to figure out what they did but if i can't figure it out i'll just say they yeah they do a lot of tv show work um but they've also worked um in effects and stuff for guillermo del toro and things. so it was kind of like a cool um you know first timer i believe for the both of them what's it about oh sorry yes <laughs> apologies <laughs> you you can't look at the thing that i'm looking at i'm sorry <laughs> it's 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 been a long day i apologize um so it, it the movie starts you off with um these guys running away from this house and there's all these like um weird imagery and this up, upside uh, right side up black triangle on the walls of this building and they're getting chased down and one of them ends up escaping to this local hospital and then this cop finds another guy who would like escape from this thing on the side of the road and takes him to the hospital. And all of this stuff is converging on this hospital. Um, and when all the people get in there, they end up on lockdown because the hospital is surrounded by these dudes in like weird, um, uh, like almost like nuclear hazmat suits. I remember the trailer for the this. Eye holes are, is like the weird black triangle. And it turns out the doctor of this hospital um has been conducting experiments in the weird burned out side to like cheat death and make it through to this other side and was spoken to by this like um archaic like Lovecraftian style god that's gonna grant him the ability for everlasting life and he impregnated this local girl with the thing's son and it's just this big crazy yeah, mess. I remember the trailers. I don't I don't yeah. remember if this like I remember finding this like when it came up, but I remember the trailer going, that's uh that's a thing. It's it's it definitely falls in line with like the event horizon silent hill like all of those kind of things all melded into one. Does it fully work? No, but that's what's great about it is they're trying and it's very practical effect heavy. Like lots of tentacles and weird, you know, mutated bodies running around and everything. And just reminded me a lot of the things. So figured I'd mention it. It wouldn't be a good list without it. All right. Yeah. We'll definitely go ahead and try and uh, figure out where we can watch it. But while we talk about weird impregnations, why don't we talk about Don't Breathe? The movie that I really like <laughs> that everyone gets caught up on the really gross, weird bit at the end. Yeah. That's oh, a really see. Intense movie. See, I love that about that movie that, like, it, 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 
it makes you follow these kids who are the who are bad guys and then it makes you feel sympathy for this old guy and then he just ends up being horrible like like ridiculous level horrible and yeah, you're just like that. it works it's just this movie gets the uh shape of water treatment when everybody only remembers one thing about it and <laughs> oh yeah everything else the it's guy like, like oh don't breathe you mean the turkey baster movie yes that happens <laughs> well, I, thought, <laughs> I, see, I thought g lee was the turkey baster movie but that's just me <laughs> i don't know this uh i enjoyed this movie it did make me tense that's all i had like I like horror movies that can make you tense and really kind of like, I don't know, make you feel like you just did an ab workout afterwards this, or something. I remember watching this in the theater and I remember a couple times I was holding my breath because yeah. I had just gotten like, oh, yeah, I, I'm into this movie. And you know, that, 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 I agree. The turkey mystery scene works. All that stuff works. I just don't like that that is the takeaway people had from this movie. Not that it was an incredibly intense movie or that, you know, did their homework and set it in Detroit where, yeah, police response time's going to be a bit. Yeah. Or, you know, poverty runs rampant. But it was like, there was a turkey base. You're going to inseminate it. Like, yes, yes, it gets gross. It gets weird. But there's more to it than just that. I don't know. It worked for it, to be honest. That's I was going to say, what would you expect from Fetty Alvarez, right? I mean, this, this dude rebooted Evil Dead as a full-on serious gore flick. I love that the remake of the Evil Dead. And I was one of those like, nope, you can't remake the Evil Dead. Do not touch the Evil Dead. And then I saw that Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell had signed on as executive producers. Like, all right. And then I heard, like, we're going to achieve the goal of the Evil Dead and make the scariest horror movie ever. Like, well, okay, let's go see this. And then when I found out it wasn't a reboot as much as it was in the same universe. I, I love this movie. All right. So while we're on this train, why don't we talk about weird tentacles? Evil Dead. There's okay. No so evil okay. Dead. So well, there's 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 tree branches. Yeah tree, yeah. tree tentacles. How about that? Which we'll, we'll just keep rolling with it. They make one of the goofiest scenes in the original just deeply unsettling. Oh, God. It made me cringe so hard. I did not like that scene at all. There's not a single scene in this movie you really like. This movie is dirty and gory and unpleasant in oh, all God. the best ways. Yeah, it's very cringy, but and it's I, and not I, bad. I love their homage to the excess of the originals, too, because they spend a good two-thirds of their runtime just being as brutal and realistically graphic as they can. And then they go, you know what? Fuck it. It's just going to rain blood now. Just because. <laughs> and then it just gets really silly, and I love it. You know, it really does feel like, oh, this is feels like something Sam Raimi would direct today. And I'm really bummed it didn't get the sequel that they wanted. As I mean, everyone that worked on this was like, yeah, I think we can do a sequel. We come up with an idea. That would be fun. And the studio's like, nah, we're, we're good. <laughs> and that bums me out. Well, I'm glad that you can you can watch it though and watch Bruce Campbell showing up in the end credits, which you've seen that, right? Yeah. Did you know there was an original? There, he had a different cameo originally. No. Originally, the cameo they wanted to have him in, and the studio shut it down, was at the end of the movie when she climbed into the car with you know climbed in the car at the very end and drove away, and when she you know, reverted to Deadite and leapt up, it was going to pan out and the driver was going to be Bruce Campbell as Ash Williams, complete with hand. 
That would have been awesome. Yes, I was like, oh, but the studio said no. I was like, oh, come on. That would have been perfect. Well, I'm, I like it here because the way it ends, it almost feels like it could just lead right into Ash versus Evil Dead. And that makes me happy. I always read it as it's Bruce Campbell's seal of approval. Like, you know, this movie's good. So I, I wanted to circle back because another thing I meant to put on this list that I didn't put on here, and you, you were talking about tension with Don't Breathe. Did either of you see Green Room? No, because I heard really mixed reviews about it when it came out. So I'm just like, pass. And I don't know if it's good because, like I said, my circle of critics all kind of said it was okay. And Green Room, I, I, I rented it, watched it, and ordered it, and bought it, and then watched it two more times before, after it came. Really? Green Room is incredible. And I'm sorry I didn't put it on the list, but to give you the tiny little setup of Green Room, just it, it, it again, it falls into the don't breathe category. It's, it's far less a horror movie and more a suspense movie that they just cut like a horror movie. Do you know what I mean? So it's, they just build tension really well. But the idea of this movie, and it's one of um, the guy from the new Star Trek movies who died because his Jeep rolled over him really tragic. What's his name? Um, he played Chekhov in the new Star Trek movie. I know who you're talking about. I'm blanking on his name. Give me oh, a I feel terrible that I can't remember his name because he's he's incredible in this movie. Um, Anton Yelkin. Anton Yelkin. Okay, so he plays the lead singer of like a really crappy punk rock band, and they're they're on tour. And they're down and out and they're about to end their tour and they pick up a lead from a guy that says, Hey, I got a show you can play, but you can't ask any questions. Don't talk to the people that are running it, get out, play the show and leave. And they go, oh, okay. So they go there and it turns out it's like a Nazi skinhead compound and they're playing the show and like, whatever, it's good money. We'll just do it. And so they fuck with the crowd and they like play a bunch of like, um, dead Kennedy's like Nazi punks fuck off and like all the stuff to get the crowd and the crowd goes with it and like gets into it and they go into the wrong room and they witness something that they shouldn't. And it turns out that there's some fucked up like drug stuff going on here. Also with the fact that they're in a compound full of Nazis and also the FBI decides to raid said Nazi compound tonight. Oh, so it turns into like a John Carpenter, like assault on precinct 13 kind of thing where these guys are stuck in there as the good guys being chased around by Patrick Stewart of all people as the leader of the skinheads <laughs> having way too much goddamn fun. Um, and it just gets nasty. It does not stop rake, ranking up the, the tension and the, it just goes crazy. Uh, and it, it's, it's wonderful. It's really well done. And I recommend it. Okay, well, yeah, I'll have I to mean, check that out now. Yeah, because I mean, I'm, I knew all that stuff going in. I just, I didn't ever hear anybody say anything good about it. Yeah, so no, I don't know. Patrick Stewart, we're gonna have to watch it now. <laughs> that, that was the deciding factor. <laughs> well, if Patrick Probably. Stewart's playing a Nazi, I just have to see it. Exactly. Uh, all right, do we want to talk about a bad, good horror movie, a bad, bad horror movie, a funny horror movie? A well, horror movie that shouldn't be ranked as a horror movie. Why don't you go ahead and pick? Because Chris and I have both led discussions. All right, cool. We'll go with a horror movie that I don't think should be called a horror movie, but it is for some reason, and it's Warm Bodies. <laughs> you mean the movie we all thought was going to be terrible and try and make zombie Twilight a thing and came out? I was like, oh, actually, that, that wasn't half bad. Exactly. I don't know. It's such a... Such a lovely little movie. I love it. 
it wasn't that bad. I found it very enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, we all were had set to hate it because we were still in the grips of Twilight Bad, Twilight Ruin Everything. And this came out and it was like, oh, this is kind of a fun little romantic comedy about zombies. And yeah. they even found a way to get around the whole necrophilia aspect. They're all like, I'm curious how that one's going to work. I know. I remember renting it and just going, God, I don't even know why I'm wasting my dollar fifty on this. Like, it's going to be terrible. And I just found myself enjoying the crap out of the movie. Like, it's not one, to be honest, I would buy. No. But I still enjoyed it. I mean, it's Romeo and Juliet with zombies. Like, it's even R and Juliet. Yeah, is the thing, and they really lean into that one. But it's just it's it's fun, and it's better than it should be. I don't remember though how he becomes human. Is it's it basically love. Oh, love. That's right. Create turns back all the zombies into people, and that was really like you know that's dumb, but it works in this movie because this movie really is just that. Hmm. I don't know. We had a couple really good black comedy horror comedies in this last decade i mean i still love what we do in the shadows yeah that was that is immensely quotable i love that fucking movie yeah i don't i i I don't know what else to say about it i mean it's taika watiti doing taika watiti stuff with some great visual humor and i don't know if they're quite puns because i hate puns but they work in this movie. The problem is none of you will do the bloody dishes. <laughs> Hand over to the blood-covered dishes. <laughs> no. My God. It just has some great comedy in it. And I don't know. Have you have you watched the TV show that goes along with it? I've heard it's great. It oh, is. God. It is so wonderful. I wish they would come out with another season already. Well, it's great because the series takes place in the same universe. And Taika Waititi and all the vampires show up for an episode mm-hmm. with a bunch of other famous vampires. And it's the same visual humor. And they play up the virgin jokes. Like, well, we don't have to eat virgins. But it's like a sandwich. You wouldn't want to eat a sandwich if somebody else fucked. <laughs> So good. <laughs> yeah, guys. We're, we're werewolves, not swearwolves. Yeah. Again, it's not necessarily a horror movie, but it is a great black comedy, and there's not enough of those anymore, in my opinion. Yeah, guys. No, I agree. If you want to watch, if you want to watch something that has great comedy in it, and you don't mind vampires and shit like that, like whatever, you have to watch it. Like it's such a great laugh. And anytime anybody asks me for anything, I always say, what do we do in the shadows? Yeah. So, all right. What do we guys want to talk about now? We can do another horror comedy that we've already kind of talked about. At least you guys have in Tucker and Dale versus evil. I mean, you already had an episode on it yeah. this season. Uh, so It's, I think per- it's perfect. It is. It gets better with every viewing. I love it so much. I wish... I want the sequel, but I'm afraid at this point they've both gotten too old for it to work. I don't know. They could maybe play into it and make it part of the plot or something and make it kind of funny. Like they did with with Ash versus Evil Dead, right? The whole thing is basically all Ash not being able to get it up jokes. So... (laughs) 
Exactly. And I guess Tyler Levine, it wouldn't take that little bit of hair and makeup. He's good to go again. Yeah. And they've both, they've said they wanted to do it. And I just, I love this play on the murderous hillbilly trope. (laughs) And again, this movie is insanely quotable and hilarious. And you don't, if you don't know what you're going into, it's really good. Because it does kind of set up this whole movie, murderous hillbilly, serious horror movie. And then you get a slapstick death, and you're like, wait, what's going on? Oh, yeah. Like, my best quote is, well, you see, officer, these kids, they're they're killing themselves all over my property. One threw himself into the wood chipper. (laughs) We have had a day. (laughs) Exactly. And I will say, if you haven't seen it now, go and watch our episode on it, because it was great. Hair flip. Okay, so let's talk about and, a bad movie. And, at least in my and opinion. And if they and if they can see our episode on it, then I want to know what they're on. Exactly. <laughs> Just fucking around. <laughs> anyway, keep going. No, I know. I had to seriously think about that for a second, but I found it funny, Chris. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. I want to talk about the witch. I really want to get your guys' opinions on it because I hated it. Oh, I I love it when people hate movies that I love. Okay, then you can kind of maybe explain The Witch. I wanted to like The Witch because, again, it got hyped up. It was, everyone was talking about it. It was supposed to be really good. And I I don't get it. I really feel that this is the epitome of art house horror that just gets lost along the way. It's not scary. It's not unsettling it's not anything that i consider horror it's just it's just i don't know how to describe it, it it's okay weird this, for the sake this of being is, weird, this I is think. how you describe it they stuck their hand up their own butts and played puppet yeah i mean i won't disagree with anything you guys just said because it is all of those things um i just I, I guess I found all of those things worked for me. Um, I, I think my my thing with the witch is it really kind of has to do with where I live, and I don't mean that in the oh well you guys just don't get it thing. I mean I grew up surrounded by tales of shit like this. You go to any little farm like around here that has a history, and this is you know like our you know, like stories about the crusades or stories about this or whatever, but have everything in new England is about witches. And so when I saw a movie called the witch an, a new England folktale, and I went, all right, I'm like primed up and ready to know exactly what this guy's pitching. And he pitched the exact kind of story I was used to hearing. Um, I love that it was done in, you know, old Englishy speak, which made it seem kind of foreign. It almost made it seem like the movie needed subtitles for you to figure out what the hell they were talking about. Um, I actually thought it was quite unsettling and what and quite unnerving, but in a like a descent into madness kind of a way. H- have you ever seen Suspiria? No, it's one of those classics I need to revisit, and I don't know if I'm going to like it, but it's kind of on the bingo card. You gotta check it off. Right, so everything you said about this movie and why it was bad, in your opinion, and I'm not saying your opinion is wrong, is is exactly what Suspiria is. It's an art house movie. It's all metaphor and heavy-handed, long scenes of people talking, and it doesn't go anywhere. 
and then it has kind of like a, a culmination towards weirdness at the end. Um, it either works for you or it doesn't. I'm not saying that I want to change your mind on the witch, but I would highly recommend giving it one more shot kind of knowing where it's going because there's some really, really great acting and character work and some creepy ass shit going on in there that really affected me, but I'm not saying it's going to work for you. It's kind of like why the movie hereditary doesn't work for a lot of people, even though it worked for me a lot. I agree with everything you said, and I may give it another shot, but it just, it didn't work for me. And this is, I want to circle to one of them that I love and Slagathor hates to such a degree. I'm not allowed to own it. And that is It Follows. Ah, uh, another Boo. one of the It Follows crew. Boo. Okay, I'm sorry. Wow. This is one of, I think, the most interesting film-going experiences because we went in to see it because I was super on board from the first trailer. So I was like, oh, well, that looks interesting. I, I can get that. And we get there, we watch the movie, and I caught up going, oh my god, that was incredible. That's like one of the best movies I've seen this year. That was so great. And I turned to her, and she's like, what a piece of shit. <laughs> that was two hours of my life. I'm like, and proceeds to go into this long, angry rant <laughs> about how she hates It Follows. And I'm just like, did we see the same movie? And she's like, it was dumb. What was the point of it? I don't understand any of it. This is, And I understand it because It Follows is the epitome of everything Slagathor hates in horror. Deep, you know, meanings you have to think about. I don't want to have to wonder if my steak is going to come out rare or medium rare. Like, come on. <laughs> and whether or not these two puzzle pieces are going to fit together and what it means in the whole the whole, you know, story of the universe type of shit. I hate that. Yeah, she, she wants gore. She wants an easy-to-follow story. She's very simple in her horror movies. She does not want any subtext or deeper meaning. It's elementary, my dear. And me on the other hand, like, oh, I like this. It has a clear beginning, middle, end, a story I can follow. Uh, and I get to think about it and try and parse it out and figure out what's going on and... The ending is very ambiguous. And again, I was really kind of creeped out because I got into it. And every time I was like, wait a second, that old lady in the background, is she it? Oh, God, it's not her. Okay. Wait, what about that kid over there? Is that it? Oh, God, no, that's not it. Okay. And even the name, I love the name. It follows because it is a thing. You don't know what it is. And it feels very Stephen King-esque in its whole naming convention at the very least. Yeah, I I have nothing really to say because I what I would have said is everything that you just said. I I don't think we're going to change anybody's mind because I know plenty of people that have Slagathor's reaction to that movie. And outside of the fact that because it's a bit of it's a low budget affair and it's you know a, either a first or a second time filmmaker making a movie, um, it definitely gets a little clunky in its third act. I feel like the stuff once they like try to figure out how they're going to stop it, um. Like their like plan to trap it and all that stuff gets a little weird, um, but I still love it to death and and think it's a hell of a movie. Mostly because of what it means. I, I love the idea of like almost like a sexually transmitted disease as um, as a, a horror movie villain. Um, yeah, I like or that. just it kind of it kind of boils down the entire like thing that makes like the Jason movies and all that stuff from the eighties. If you fuck, you're going to die. And this movie goes, yeah, no, 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 not just that. <laughs> but um, yeah, you, you don't die if you fuck someone else, but then, you know, they're going to die and you have to be cool with that. 
It's just kind of like, oh, Jesus. So, I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> I love it. It is it is your show. So, But I guess I should also put this out there because I'm probably one in like one billion people that have seen this movie and only share my own opinion. But I did not like us. I know you didn't. And that makes me sad. And I want to talk about that. Right here, right now, on the Slagathor show. Woo! Sweet. I don't, I don't know where didn't I was we, going with didn't that. We do, didn't we do an episode on us? Yeah, there is an episode on us this season in which Slagathor basically said the same thing. She didn't like it, and you and I just oh, that's right. That's why she in, she invited us on because she wanted people that liked it or at least understood it to be able to talk about it. That's right. Okay, so I guess the Slagathor show is over. If you want to go see what we all had to say about that episode, look back on my playlist and go watch that episode. Well, do you have like any more insight into why you don't like it now, like six months on? I don't know. It's still the exact same stuff. It's the fact that I have to think about it. I, I don't want people to think I'm stupid or anything because I'm not. But I... I just don't You're like not there. That's not what you go to movies for. You want to check in I, and be entertained. You I, I want the thrill of a horror slash thriller of a suspense movie and stuff. I don't want to have to think about my scare. And my opinion really hasn't changed since our episode. I know. And what's still surprising me is that the, the others, the tether, don't give you the heebie-jeebies because they're the basic, they're drilling down to core fear thing in how they move. They move unnaturally. And that typically exerts a reaction in the brain going, that's not how people move. That equals fear. Yeah, no. And that doesn't do it for you. And that surprises the hell out of me. Yeah, no. You know, it, it, I, I think of it differently because I, there's a part of me that is 100% on board with Slagathor's approach to horror. And then there's the part of me that likes the other movies that I do too. And it doesn't make, you know, my view better or her view better or your view, yours view better, which is a bad brain, a bad discourse to have on the internet because people just want everybody to disagree. But my thing is I like to, especially with horror, I like to know what I'm getting myself into before I go. And I don't mean like find out the story of the movie and have it blown for me, but like for existence, for example, if I go to see an M night Shyamalan movie, I expect to think, I expect there to be something he's trying to do to pull a fast one on me or something. Um, and I didn't have that when I saw the sixth sense for the first time. So the sixth sense, the first time did a brilliant thing of being a movie for people that are going to the movies for the reason Slagathor is. And you could fully enjoy that if you went to it for that reason. But then the movie so brilliantly just fucked with you in the last moments and went, by the way, rethink everything you just watched, which is less than, a movie that kind of goes, no, you're not going to get any of this unless you're thinking the whole goddamn time. And so I, I, I feel like I, I have a switch for both of those things. Like for every, you know, tremors, you know, or, you know, some big goofy monster movie, you know, I, I want something with a little more substance, like something Lovecraftian and weird, but I, I think there's a the place for all of it, in my opinion. No, I, I completely agree with you and stuff. I just don't know if I'm ever going to be one of those people 
that likes to think about their horror movies. It doesn't work for you, and I get that. Like I said, I if I, I know plenty of people. It's like I get why people like us, which I get why people like The Witch. But if it's not hitting those key horror buttons, the reason you like horror, you're not going to get it. Yeah. So why don't we talk about something that um, you wanted, that you added on to, Chris? Because I'm looking at the movies and none of them look familiar to me. Interesting. Um, do you want me to go through them quick? Since if, have either of you guys seen any of them? I have not seen a single one on this list, so I'm familiar right. with the majority of them. I, I made it just just to be noteworthy. So you know, since the discourse is the fun part, I'll just I'll go through them quick, um, just to uh, put them as a note on people's list to watch because none of them are bad, um, but they're all interesting. Uh, a Cure for Wellness um, was a recent film uh, directed by Gore Verbinski, who made The Ring, the American remake of The Ring, which is his best film. Um, it's fucking great. And he also is responsible for the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise and um, some other stuff that we won't get into. Um, but I love his visual style. He uses the same cinematographer every time his movies have a particular look. He got a bunch of money because the Pirates of the Caribbean movies made so much money. And he said, you know what I want to do with it? I want to make a good old fashioned like gore house flick, but that's staged as being some really big thinky movie um that like vincent price or someone in the 60s and 70s would have been in and so he makes this movie that like makes you think you're getting like a maybe a shutter island kind of thing and then in the third act it just becomes i i'd say there is things going on in the story this of this movie that i cannot believe they got away with in an r-rated movie and i just kind of went if they had let on that for a little bit longer or done a little bit more. This is like child endangerment territory. It's just fucked up. It is a disgusting, disturbed, messed up little fucking movie. And I can't believe the same guy that made a Disney flick made it. And I, I highly recommend it, even though it'll, it'll, it'll really mess you up. Um, I just want to intervene real quick and just yes. be, I just want to say that Ulrich just told me that um, Bob, scared Ulrich off this movie so yeah yeah no I, he, he almost scared me off of it and I went and saw it and I understand why I was I was shaken for days I just say for for the direction that this movie goes yes um, not, like that does not make me want to imbibe it does this. not go to a pleasant <laughs> place let's just say but but also in not going to a pleasant place it goes to this completely ridiculous like grand guggenal like insane third act where you go what how was this what was going on here the whole time <laughs> like it just doesn't even make any goddamn sense and I loved it um the next is the invitation which I'm going to say as little as I can about because um, it really, really needs to be seen and you're going to see where it's going a mile away and that doesn't matter because everyone in it's so good. But the invitation's about a group of friends getting back together after a couple had split up and they kind of split the friends up by splitting up and they get back together and they have this weird night where the woman had gone through a lot of depression and everything and found this group of people that have helped her and she wanted to invite everyone to her house so they could hear a little speech from this group of people and you kind of see the direction that it's going and it 
it doesn't go well for any of these people. And it, it's just a wonderful, nasty, scary, culty, strange little thing. Um, a female director, and you know that that's always a good thing. I think it was Karen Kusama, I believe, and she's got another movie out or has another movie coming out that sounds amazing. Um, the next is the guest. The guest was Adam Wingard's follow up to Your Next. I don't know if um, your next is on the list, so we'll talk about it in a bit. But The Guest is a really cool movie. Um, it's about a guy that comes back from war and claims to have known a family son who died at his side, and he claims to have been in his friend. He's run on some hard times and is going through you know, his own issues with PTSD, and the family offers him to stay in their house, and he's off is the word that I'd use for it. And he befriends their son and kind of starts teaching him how to be a man in a very odd kind of militaristic kind of calculated kind of way. And um, then it basically just becomes the fucking Terminator and goes insane. And it, it's a blast. Um, the Innkeepers is Ty West, one of Ty West's earlier movies. Are either of you guys familiar with Ty West? I can't say that I am. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so, but then again, I'm so bad with names. No, that's okay. So so the Innkeepers and the Sacrament, both in a row, are both Ty West movies. And Ty West comes from like the, the VHS, ABCs of Death group of folk. Um, so they're, oh, you know, working okay. in like small, short horror. But Ty West is a bit of a chameleon. Um, every movie he's made is in a completely different genre. His most recent movie was a Western. Um, but the sacrament and the innkeepers, the innkeepers is kind of a found footage movie, kind of not. It's a, it's a regular horror film, but the guys during it are filming stuff in this inn and like rewatching the footage and weird shit goes on. It's a really creepy slow burn thing, um, from the early end of the decade, I think it was 2011. And then the sacrament is very similar to the invitation. Um, except the cult that these people go to visit is, overseas in some small village and this girl invites her brother to come check it out to swear that she's fine and then when he gets there some weird shit goes down and um it, it's just really really good like bare bones horror flick you know it's it's everything that like um uh i, I like to say ty west is what eli roth wishes he was <laughs> oh my do you know what i mean and, and they're yeah. friends and they're friends. Do you know what I mean? So they, they like produce each other's movies and everything. But Ty West is definitely the more calculated. He also made The House of the Devil, which I don't know if I have it on this list because it might have been before the 2010s. So we can we can yeah. jump away from that one. Yeah, I think it was, but it also sounds pretty familiar. I so Annihilation. So this was recent. This was, I think, last year. Did you guys hear about this? This this is the one the studio kind of screwed over that everyone is oh, yeah. in love with. And that is on my watch list. I need to get to it, but time is finite. So I will warn you, um, those of you in the room that have problems with the movie like The Witch are going to have issues with Annihilation. Because Annihilation does not have any interest in explaining itself whatsoever. Okay, cool. So I won't be seeing this one. <laughs> well, is it, Annihilation. Is based on Annihilation. Yes, it is. Annihilation is two hours of Natalie Portman and people stuck in this weird woods going through time loops and meeting copies of themselves. And it's it's fucked. <laughs> and it's, it's very similar to The Thing and just as gory and over the top. Um... And um, I, I thought it was a blast, but it doesn't make a lick of sense. Okay, because I, I, I kind of remember seeing the trailers for it and stuff and going, oh, this could be pretty interesting. And I remember s saying to Ulrich that I kind of want to see it, but 
but now that you say that it's a, uh, it's like the witch. I, I don't know. Well, well again, gore. you like I'm gore. Just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying it's in the same vein where it, it's not. Its main thing is to mess with you less than try to explain its intentions or what's going on. It wants you to be as confused as all the characters involved in it are at the end. Um, I'd say maybe a little less like The Witch and more like Inception. Okay. And I don't want viewers out there to think that, you know, I don't give movies a try because I give everything a try. And a lot of these movies, even though I haven't heard of them, I mean, the short little description that you Chris are giving and stuff makes me pretty curious so if I ever get the chance to actually watch any of these shows that you or shows movies that you uh, brought up onto this list and stuff I'm definitely gonna try because a lot of them sound interesting I'm gonna have to get past the slow parts but I will give it a try nice I appreciate that uh, and again I'll, I'll bang through this quick have any of you guys ever heard of Mark Duplass the name sounds vaguely familiar. Not so he's he's primarily a comedy guy. He was on a lot of comedy TV shows, but none of the names sound familiar to me. So I'll just let you look them up later and see. But everybody knew him as being like kind of a fun-loving, like happy-go-lucky kind of a guy. Um, he made this movie called Creep. He, he wrote it, and the director is the co-star. There are only two people in this entire goddamn film. Um, what? Him. Yeah, him, him, and him, and the director um, who uh, plays the main character, and the idea of this movie, without going into too much of it at all, you know how you said, "I don't dislike this movie. I like this movie a lot. I will never watch it again." I have never seen a film that made me more uncomfortable for its entire runtime as this movie. This movie made me like want to—I don't even know—it it made me feel gross. It's just not right. Oh my God. And, and, and let me explain why the idea of creep is a guy is an independent filmmaker and he's looking for work and he's at like, he lives in this town. That's a town that is only inhabited by people in the summertime. It's like in the mountains. And so he's like one of three people, you know, that like stay in the town all year long. And he picks up like a help wanted ad for a guy looking for someone to film a documentary about him. So he goes and answers it, and the guy tells him, you know, okay, here, here's what's going on. I'm dying of terminal cancer, and I want to make a film for my family, my sisters, and my, I think he says he has a son, and this is his summer house, and he's gone to, like, kind of deal with this issue here and get this thing filmed so he can go back and break it to his family and then have this thing to give them. So he tells him this wonderful story, so the guy starts hanging out with him and filming him doing stuff. And it just gets weirder and weirder and weirder from there on out to the point where it becomes like a fatal attraction kind of thing. Like the guy like cuts ties with him and he starts showing up in the background, looking in the windows of his house, but the character doesn't know it, but you do. And it just, it it's so wrong. Like my hair is standing on end, just thinking about this fucked up mess of a movie. And I, I highly recommend they made a sequel. I haven't watched it yet. I guess the sequel is a little, not so good, but um, I don't know how you could ever make a sequel to it with how they leave it, but you'll see. I highly recommend checking it. I think it was a, it was one of the very first Blumhouse films. Okay. I don't know. I like, I like the Blumhouse movies. They're well, I think they get an unfair reputation of always being quality because they produce so much and we forget all the crap they produce. Oh, yeah, I've seen some of their crap and stuff, but even their crap I still kind of like. Mm. Okay, so I'll give it a try, Chris. Don't worry. 
Okay, so, so two more, and then and then I, I apologize. For, I just wanted to get some down here, and since you guys didn't see it, I figured I'd talk. So Frozen, and I wanted to remind everyone this is the 2010 film Frozen from director Adam Green, not um, the Adina Menzel starring Disney flick that has a sequel out right now. I um, saw the trailer for this and went, no, this is just too dumb a premise. So I'm, I'm it is, hoping it you is, something. It is brilliant. And I'm, I'm telling you that you just have to you have to go off of me telling you that this movie is from local favorite director from around here, Adam green. He's a Boston boy. Um, he is responsible for the hatchet series. And I will tell you this. I'm not actually a fan of the hatchet series, even though I think Adam green is awesome. Um, the hatchet series is Kane Hodder doing Friday, the 13th style stuff in like a weird um, crazy hillbilly movie. It, it's just, it's too goofy, but also trying to be too serious to work for me. But the guy's got a handle on gore effects, and he he does really good low-budget horror. Have you guys ever seen the Jack Chop commercial that shows up around Halloween? I don't think I have. All right, look it up. The Jack Chop commercial is a guy from Boston like working on a jack-o'-lantern talking about the fucking Jack Chop kid. You're going to go to Duncan. You're going to make the fucking jack-o'-lantern. And it's, it's brilliant. And... This was done by Adam Green and his buddies at like a 48-hour film festival they hold every year. That's so he's, he's a very he, he's a local there. So Frozen, they they if you haven't heard of this Slagathor, it's about three friends that basically pay off a guy at a ski resort in the Berkshires in Western Massachusetts, and these ski resorts are only open on the weekend. So it's a Sunday night, it's the last run of the night, and they bribe him to let them go up the lift one more time. He has to go run out and take a phone call. A guy takes his place and he says, yeah, no, it's all set. And they shut the place down for the week. So they're stuck on this chairlift halfway up the mountain for a week. And that's the movie. Um, they filmed it on the actual chairlifts at the resort that it was supposed to be at. So they actually had a camera rig on the chairlift across from these guys filming them the whole time. The fear is real and terrifying. They're actually as high up as they are. The wolves that they use to come out and like taunt these guys when they're up there are real trained wolves. This movie, it it's just nasty. And I, and they're in a no win situation and the conversation that they have as the three of them start like turning on each other and going nutty. It, it, it's written by an incredibly geeky guy. It's the most serious film he's ever made. There's no humor to it. I mean, there's comic relief to it, but it is a very dead serious horror flick and it gets forgotten mostly because a movie came out, I think a year or two later um, with a talking snowman. <clears throat> oh, okay. Um, I don't know. The only thing that comes to mind when I, when I think about this is does it look like it's shot low budget, I guess? Yes. Intentionally. Uh, oh, okay. Intentionally. Okay. Because a lot of times I don't like it when they look low budget. I don't know. I don't want it looks, to. It looks raw would be the word I'd use for it. Less low budget and more. It has like a documentary-ish, like snuff film kind of look to it. Do you know what I mean? Like, like almost oh. like you're just almost just like you're sitting on the scare chairlift across from them, watching them. Okay. It's almost the feel I have. And let me tell you, dude, like you think about like the wires that they use to run these things are actually razor sharp. And then you get a character that goes, I'm going to try to crawl on this wire over and just like the slow tension of them, like ripping their hands to shreds, trying to make it across this thing. And Knowing that, you know, they don't really have stunt people. It's just these fucking actors. 
Like it's and and they they rocked at it. And and um a couple of them have gone on. I think one of the three guys um was on uh oh the Kevin Bacon is a cop in New York with a guy in a cult killing people show. I think he was one of the police officers on that. I he can't remember his name. He's related to one of the guys from the Lord of the Rings movies, and I just can't remember his damn name. But um but anyway, so that's Frozen. See it. And then the last is Upgrade, which I'll, um, sorry, Axel has talked about a lot on, on the show already. So I'll just leave it with it's the directorial debut of the writer of the original Saw movie, who's also the writer of the Insidious franchise and the writer of the Conjuring franchise, the works of James Wan. Um, Upgrade, it, it's a nasty little action horror flick, um, the likes of something like John Carpenter would have made. And you just got to see it. And I'll leave it at that because it's so new that you should just check it out. Okay. Yeah, no, like I said, I will, me personally, I will give all these uh, movies a try if they ever come up on any of my viewing platforms and stuff. I don't know if I'll personally go searching them out, but like I said, if I see them on like Netflix or anything like that, I'll definitely try it and stuff. Um, Sorry, and for No, I, I, that's why I asked because the movies that you put up and stuff, I had no idea what they were. Um, I wanted to know about them and stuff. So you didn't need to ap apologize for it or anything. Um, but, you know, we've got a bunch of movies on this list and I know that there's a bunch more out there that, you know, from this past decade that other people could think about. Um, but I'm just going to quickly run through this list real quick. Cause there's a couple um, bigger genres that I want to get to before this episode ends. So I'm just going to go through and say, you know, Top of the list, the Insidious franchise. I know that there's like three or four within this last decade. There's Hereditary, The Babadook, Sinister, You're Next, The Purge franchise, Oculus, Cabin in the Woods, Overlord, Scream 4, 10 Cloverfield Lane, Train to Busan, A Quiet Place, Maniac, Let Me In, Crimson Peak, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, Halloween 2018, The Paranormal activities franchise the recording franchise split the woman in black the wolfman mama happy death day lights out krampus hush cooties and american mary now we only really talked about the movies that you know kind of came to mind and stuff and like i said all these other movies they're all they're all good in their own ways you know we Except all cooties. Fuck cooties. <laughs> Except cooties. We yeah, all cooties enjoyed them. Sucked. Yeah. Okay, you guys say it sucked. I kind of enjoyed it. No, it's a James <laughs> it's a wannabe James Gunn movie. I couldn't help it. It was so stupid. I enjoyed it. No, it, it has the components of being like a pre-Marvel James Gunn schlock movie, but with none of the heart, sincerity, or creativity. Or or high rating. Like it, it could, it kind of, it's kind of lame. Like at least if it's going to want to be a trauma movie, it should just be NC 17 and just, just go all. It, it's just unpleasant and just boring and stupid. And I hate it so much. I regret watching it. Okay. Like I was saying, these movies <laughs> have their good things all in their own, their own thing and stuff. And if, Anything there that you liked, go ahead and let us know and stuff. If there, like I said, if there was something on that list that you know I didn't mention or we didn't talk about, not that it didn't 
belong on that list. That's just kind of what we pulled off off the internet. So I want to get to the new Masters of Horror. We lost like what? We lost uh, Romero and we lost Wes Craven, two of the, everyone agrees, classic Masters of Horror. This past decade. Um, And there's one, two, three, four, five, five new Masters of Horror that's also popped up within this past decade. We should probably define what we say about Masters of Horror. And me personally, when I say Masters of Horror, I'm talking about horror directors that if I see their name, I will go see that movie. Yeah. That was the case. And we still have a couple. We still have uh, John Carpenter. We still have Sam Raimi. We still have... Uh, okay, who else do we still have from that old school? Guillermo del Toro was briefly part of that. Joe Dante. Joe Dante, yeah. There are people I will go... So that's what I mean. But we have this new group coming up, at least this last decade. At least a couple of these guys have new decades. It's like, yeah, these guys earn the title of new masters. So I'm going to go ahead and name off the five names here and stuff. And we'll go ahead and talk about them in whatever list or order we want to and stuff. Um, Cause a few of them, I don't know by name. I just know if I Wikipedia them and see what movies they've done. Um, but then again, like I said, that's just me and I'm very bad at names. So we have a Mike Flanagan, a James Wan, Jordan Peele, Adam Wingard and Ty West, T West. Um, Ty West. Ty West. Okay. So to me, I consider a master of horror someone that has at least three consecutive good horror movies to their name. Because to me, each horror movie, and I say three because, you know, third time's a charm, whatever. I want them to have at least three movies that I have gone and seen that have given me some sort of creep factor. And I think two of those people qualify. Two of the people on there, I know, qualify that for you. I know, like James Wan, um, Jordan Peele. I know people are saying he's he's the next one. I would like to believe that he's the next one, but I'm still very iffy on him myself. I think he's doing a good job for what he's doing. He's going to do a different type of horror. Yeah, um, I think I think the success of his reboot of The Twilight Zone seals the deal for me. We haven't watched that yet. We've been wanting to, but we don't have access to... I'm not paying CBS extra for Twilight Zone. No. Oh, no. Of course. course. So if you say it's good, I I believe that it's good. Um, But, like, and Mike Flanagan and stuff. Like, I guess there's Gerald's Game, which I absolutely loved that um, Stephen King movie and stuff. (laughs) Stephen King movie. The Stephen King book. I thought they did pretty good on the on the movie there. Hush of his, which is the one with the blind woman. She's deaf and she's being broken into. Oh, the home invader one. That one is That's super his intense. Wife. Yeah. Really? Is it? Yep. And she was in um, Gerald's Game. No, Haunting of Hill House as well. Wow. Okay. So, and I know that he also did Doctor Sleep, but we didn't see Doctor Sleep. Haven't had a chance to see Doctor Sleep yet. Um, we saw Oculus. Oculus we, is incredible. Yeah, we thought and that was pretty good. People need to see Oculus. Yeah. Just, just remember, this gentleman made a sequel to Ouija, and it was good. Totally reliant on you never seeing the first Ouija because that movie gives away the big plot. Yeah. Of course. So in my honest opinion, Mike Flanagan has a perfect track record 
Um, if you've never seen Absentia, you have to. Um, Absentia is one of those movies that I saw the screen, um, the, the cover box art for, and it turned me off to it because it has terrible cover box art. And um, it just is about to celebrate some anniversary. It must have been like the fifth year or something. No, or just um, Mike Flanagan um, posted the cover and he goes, hey, I've actually made a bunch of movies that people like now. Could we get this cover redone? Because this is garbage. And <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Um, okay, so... But Absentia, yeah. Oculus, Hush, Before I Wake, Ouija Origin of Evil, Gerald's Game, and I've heard Dr. Sleep is a home run. So in my opinion, the guy is without um falter okay yeah i i will agree i will agree to that one but what about adam wingard let me look him up and see ah adam wingard the, there's one so, movie on there that's going to ruin his name for you and i put him on there because i still feel that that one is just a bump in the road so so i'm looking at his google movies I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I see the Blair Witch remake. Um, I love Death the Blair Note. Witch remake, actually. It's Death Note. Everyone I, hates Death Note. And I kind of like oh, it. Oh, yeah. So. See, I thought it was 50-50. I didn't have a definite yes or no on it. But so th but, this, gen this gentleman earns Masters of Horror because your next is a, is a goddamn home run. And all of his work in the VHS films, the ABCs of Death film, are brilliant. And then the guest and Blair Witch, in my opinion, are great. And he's getting to make a Godzilla movie, and that makes me so happy. Because look at how well that worked out for um, our good friend uh, Brain shutting off. Not going to remember his name, who made um, Trick or Treat and just made the new Godzilla movie. So, Oh, God, yeah. Don't even ask me. I don't know. Um, but I, I guess I will agree because, I mean, my opinion on horror movies is completely different than everybody else's. And from what I know, a lot of people like a lot of his movies, so I guess he's part of it. <laughs> um, I'm trying to look up. What is the name of the guy that made Trick or Treat? Mike Doherty. There we go. I'm also trying to look up Ty West because that name brings nothing up for me. Uh, so, so Ty West is also, um, I talked about him before. He's also the VHS ABCs of death guy, but even though he made the terrible sequel to cabin fever because he owed someone a favor, he did the house of the devil, the innkeepers and the sacrament, which were all great. And then he just did in the Valley of violence, his Western. And that movie was incredible. And so, um, and it was still a bloody, nasty, horrific mess. So it was still a bit of a horror movie, but to me, that house of the devil innkeepers and sacrament kind of staples him in there. And he also produced the exorcist TV show, which was great. Okay. I would see Like, as you know, I haven't seen any of those new ones. So I, or any of the ones he's done. So I can't really say about what he's done or my thoughts on the movies. I would like to see something a bit more, a bit newer, because from what I'm looking at, the In the Valley of Violence is his most recent one in 2016. Yeah, he's been producing a lot of TV. Oh, okay. Which is kind of what happens with all these guys. Like, the guy that made Hard Candy and um, 30 Days of Night made the Hannibal TV show. 
And so that's what he really? was doing for like four years. Yeah. <laughs> and that show was incredible. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, okay. And people, people that I don't think have earned their place on this list yet, but I, I think deserve men mention are uh, Jennifer Kent who made the Babadook and her follow-up is supposed to be really messed up. So it hasn't come out yet, but um, she's got a follow-up to the Babadook that is going to be another horror flick. So hooray. Um, and uh, Karen Kusama who did the invitation. She also did Jennifer's body. So, you know, that was still kind of a little bit of a mess there, but um, the invitation is incredible. So I want to see more out of her. Okay. Yeah. I can't wait because, like, like I don't want to say that I hated the Babadook, but there was only a few things in there that you know really got to me and stuff. So I'm actually pretty excited that maybe there's going to be a sequel to that. I I can't wait for that. I never actually, I maybe I did know, but I didn't. I don't think I knew that it was made from a woman, and that's kind of cool. You don't really see women in horror, and you know, just to think like that house and everything was a set. And she was also the production designer on the film, you know? So when you start like, this is a fully realized vision. And even if the movie doesn't work for you, it's kind of one of those things you go, wow, like this all came from somebody's head. Um, that's really cool. I also want to say that e even though he, he took a, a derailment in out of horror, um, I'd like to give a special mention to David F. Sandberg. David F. Sandberg made the film lights out which aside from the, the way it ends, which I didn't like very much because it kind of says the only way to deal with the problems that your family is having is to kill yourself. I kind of thought that was a little bit of a, whoa, that's a bit of an intense left that you just took their movie. Um, but uh, I still love the hell out of the movie. Um, he also made the sequel to Annabelle, the prequel, the middle one that I liked a lot. kind of falls into Creation? the same pattern. Yeah, it kind of falls into the same category as Ouija Origin of Evil. Like, wow, they, they hired somebody to make this movie, and they actually tried. And then he decided that he wasn't going to make a horror movie, and he made Shazam. And I just love Shazam so much that it doesn't slight him on the Masters of Horror list yet, but he had two bang-up job horror flicks, so I'd like to see more out of him. All of these guys um, that are getting into superhero flicks, um, the guy that directed Doctor Strange made Sinister. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um, in his, uh, that's, you know, his first big, you know, not low budget flick was Dr. Strange. He did sinister, the exorcism of Emily Rose, like all these like little horror flicks. And then, Oh no, he's, and, and it's the same writing partner. Um, see Robert Cargill from ain't it cool news. Um, that doesn't work there anymore, but that's his writing partner who wrote all of these little low budget horror movies and also Dr. Strange. <laughs> That, and from what cool. I, and from what I hear with the Doctor Strange sequel, he's going um, full horror flick. Like they're doing like this multiverse thing, and it's just going to be dark and twisted and insane. Oh so, God! We'll see. Yeah, no that <laughs> that kind of had me excited for a moment. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about something that is quite large, and it's the Conjuring verse. Um, yeah, God, it is so big, and the fact that it has so many movies within its own own little universe within this last decade is amazing. But at the same time, some of the movies aren't so amazing. And you know, in those, we've got The Conjuring, The Conjuring Two, Annabelle, Annabelle Creation, 
Annabelle Comes Home, The Nun, La Llorona. Now, I'd say like 50-50, half of them are good, half of them are so-so. What do you think? Yeah, I'd say that that's kind of on the money. I think it kind of tips into the maybe 60-40 because I really like The Conjuring. I really like The Conjuring 2. I really liked Annabelle Creation, and Annabelle Comes Home was a lot better than the first Annabelle. So it's funny that the Annabelle tree, try whatever trilogy, if you will, the first one is the one that sucks. <laughs> it's really funny to me um, yeah. that they yeah. had the balls to keep going because then the nun and La Llorona are so bad. So bad. God, I had such high hopes for La Llorona and I have a, I think I have an episode on this one. Maybe, maybe I'm not. You do. Thinking. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. God, I have such a bad memory. <laughs> I have an episode on this one, too. But I had such high hopes for La Llorona. Like, when I saw the commercials and stuff, I was like, oh, man, this is going to be so creepy. And I was so excited for it. And it just was so meh. You know what's a way better movie than La Llorona is The Woman in Black, which is very yeah. similar. Yeah, I really liked the woman in black both versions the original it. bbc miniseries and then the new one were both very good i didn't even know they had those yeah so it it was a bbc either movie or miniseries originally um and i didn't know that till after i saw the new one um and my buddy tim was like oh you got to see the original like it, th they basically like did the same thing and they did it really well and um he wasn't kidding like the the original had some of the same creepy shots and everything, but um, I, I really liked the new one. The sequel to the new one is not good, but um, you probably didn't even know that existed because it was so bad. Oh God, no! I didn't even know. I didn't even know. But okay. Anyway, <laughs> the Conjuring verse. Do you think that they should yeah. keep adding to it? Because sometimes they have they have good movies that come from it, and sometimes it's just like God, you guys need to stop. What well, do you have think? you have you seen all of the Insidious movies? Um, I saw the first one. I saw parts of the second one, and I saw the one with the key finger. Yeah. So thing. so so that's so the, I really liked the first one, and we talked about this on um on the director SmackDown that I did with the geeks with shields guys, but I really liked the first one. The second one is a really good movie in its own right, but it kind of negates some of the stuff that made the first one really good by kind of stripping it down and making it more like the shining, like, you know, the possessed dad chasing the kids around, but it, it was a good horror movie in its own right. The third one is not that great. And then the last key, I thought kind of it injected some, a breath of fresh air back into it that, because Juan and this group of guys that kind of come along with him that he kind of hands the sequels and stuff off to, um, they definitely know what they're doing, right? Like the nun and La Llorona have some creepy shit in them. They're just not good. You know, the nun character is amazing. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Creepy as hell. Like we talked about that a lot in The Conjuring too. but I'd like to see another full-on Conjuring sequel. Like, none of this sub-genre. I don't want to see another Annabelle movie. I don't want to see another Nun movie. But if they made another Conjuring movie and just kind of played around with um, some of the other stuff, that'd be cool to see. I, I love that they've created a entire sub-genre out of 
two people that were just bullshit artists in real life. I find that hilarious. I know. I, I agree with that. But I'm also so afraid that anytime they they bring out a new movie and they spend more than like 10 seconds on like a shadow, I'm afraid that shadow is going to become the next movie. Um, Very fair. Very fair. Yeah. Because wasn't it Annabelle creation when they were on that farm or something like that? And they kept showing the scarecrow and everything. And everybody's like, oh, God, you just know that scarecrow is going to be the next movie. Annabelle, the scarecrow or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, no, that's very fair. And, and and yeah, they they definitely get a little too big for their britches. But, um, but I'd watch at least one more as long as it's not another sub movie. Like we don't need, you know... Um, Annabelle has a sister, you know, or something like that or, or whatever it is. <laughs> I I agree with that. I would like to see them probably wrap it up with a Conjuring 3. I do want to say that they did pretty damn well with an Annabelle with Annabelle comes home. I was highly impressed with it. I liked a lot of the tense moments in it, especially with like the ferryman and stuff. Like you're just sitting there and, you know, as she's exploring the house and stuff, you just see him standing in a corner in the background. And you're like, oh, fuck, there he is again. Like, yeah, I agree. It was great. Um, so, I don't know. To me, it's still 50-50 because I didn't really enjoy the Conjuring movies. Well, uh, let's, okay. So, I enjoyed the first one because I had some good jump scares. The Conjuring 2, not so much. So, uh Okay, yeah, still 50-50. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, Conjuring 2 I don't like as much as um as Ulrich does. Um again, I think it's a really scary movie. Like it it definitely hits some it, it, I just felt that it um it was a bit haphazard. Like the original Conjuring felt very well knit together and the second one was just kind of like, okay, we we might only have one more shot at this, so throw all this crap in there. And so I loved like, you know, the, um, the, the, was it the, the top hat man? What was he called? Oh, Jesus. The creepy dude. I'm going to forget uh, the jangly man. I think was so. that, no, that was, no, that was the, uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. No, um, the, um, whatever he was, I liked him. Uh, oh, there was a crooked man, the crooked man. Yeah. Uh, I loved him. And I loved the fact that that was a practical effect. Like that was not a digital effect and that makes it even creepier. Um, but it didn't fit. It's just like, okay, here's the creature of the moment now in this movie where all of the creepy things in the movie. Number one, were either people that had been killed by the witches or the witches, you know? So it's like, all right, cool. (laughs) You know? And I thought that the, even though the, um, uh, Amityville stuff, like necessary. I agree with that, but I feel like if they were if they did a Conjuring three, that's probably where they would go. Well, and th- but I mean, they did it in. Con- I mean, maybe they go back to Amityville. Yeah, that's probably what they're going to do if they do a Conjuring three. You make a really good point. It all spawns back to fucking Amityville, <laughs> which would be like what the third or fourth movie in all of the stupid con- uh, Amityville movies. Because isn't there oh like no 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 right no. now? Oh no 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 no. There's like fifteen. <laughs> Oh God, really? <laughs> I guess I'm only oh, yes. seen two. <sighs> I'm gonna find out. Let's see. Amityville Horror. Why is nothing loading? You're still there, right? 
Oh yeah, yeah, I am. There is at least six or seven Amityville movies. Oh Jesus! See if Christ. I can find. There's the Amityville Horror. Oh come on. There's the remake in 2005. There's the Amityville something or other. There's like the Amityville comes home. When these load, I'll eventually. There's a lot of them, and they're terrible. Great, yeah. Because, like I said, I think I've only seen one or two. That's whatever Netflix I think had on. So okay, so we've got Amityville Horror, Amityville The Awakening, Amityville Two: The Possession, The Amityville Haunting, Amityville 3D, Amityville It's About Time, The Amityville Playhouse. It keeps going on. Oh my god! <laughs> There's five Amityville. more than that. It's about time. <laughs> Great. <laughs> There's at least 11. Great. Okay. Yes. So we haven't, we haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> I so, can't hey, believe um, it. What, so, uh, yeah, sorry. Keep going. You, you, you're still talking about the conjuring verse. I don't want to hijack it again. Oh, no, no, I was done. I was just saying I, I would like to say that, that I can't believe there's that many of those movies. But at the same time, I'm kind of not surprised. It's kind of a, at this point, it's one of those cheap horror stories that can be remade and done semi-okay-ish. True, true. And, you know, they, they definitely hit on a good thing with the the folks that, you know, making an entire film universe based on the people that investigated that is, is a cool idea, especially when you can take them and turn them into, um, you know, the heroes. And I do like kind of like the tongue in cheek kind of nasty stuff in conjuring Two, where they're kind of going, yeah, we're going to show you all the times that people thought that they had caught these people in the act and make the movie be a thing trying to disprove that and debunk it. So the movie's like trying to disprove its own conspiracy theories. I think that's really funny. Like it, it reminds me of the time um, when Roland Emmerich um, of Independence Day um, fame made 2012, which is not a good movie, but I give him a lot of credit for the advertising campaign for 2012. Instead of having a website, it just said, do you want to know more? Google 2012. Oh, geez. And I'm like, they're letting the conspiracy theorists advertise for them. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay. So we've talked about the conjuring verse. It was a huge thing, but let's talk about the, the rise of the Stephen King movies, I guess. Um, yeah. I want to say this, like it has become popular to take his movies, his books, I'm sorry, and try and make them into movies, even though, they shouldn't be made because they're so hard to kind of adapt into something that is entertaining. And especially since he has a hard time ending his own books, how in the hell are, um, you know, directors supposed to end the movies and make it absolutely good. So we, I, I only have three, three movies on here. I'm honestly not for sure if there's more, I think, um, there's a shitload more. Yeah, there. I just know of Gerald's game, it pet cemetery. Um, that one with the cell phones, I think it was. Yeah, cellular. Yeah, um, that wasn't good. Um, but that was that wasn't as recent. They they also tried to do, they tried to do under the dome as a TV show. It was one of the most god awful things I've ever seen. 
Um, they tried to do um, eleven twenty two sixty three. The have you heard of this before? No, I know that I tried watching the first season of Under the Dome, and it's terrible, and it's, and it's nothing like the book. And it, it they they ruined it. The book is one of the best books I've ever read, and that show butchered it. They changed every character's motivations. It, they it was bad. Um, but have you heard of eleven twenty two sixty three? No, I haven't. So, and again, I, I want to get into, cause you're right. There's a big rise of Stephen King movies coming out right now because they've actually been making them good lately for the most part. Um, and I think a lot of that comes with hiring directors that get the source material, they get what it's important and they get what needs to stay. Um, but the cool thing, if you've never heard of eleven twenty two sixty three, cause I, I heard of this book and thought there's no way this is going to be, you know, how can Stephen King turn this into a Stephen King book? Yeah. Okay. So just so you know, um, I just realized we've been going for a really long time. Yeah. And um, it's getting really late. So I was just going to say real quick, 112263 is about um, a guy that finds a portal to go back in time. And he ends up trying to um, solve the JFK assassination and stop it from happening. And by doing that, um, turns the world into a fucked up Stephen King horrific insane place. And it's pretty cool. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah, I'll look that but, one um, up. I'd say the current resurgence of Stephen King movies being good started with The Green Mile and Shawshank Redemption and moved all the way up into The Mist, which was directed by the same guy that did both of those, um, and moved into the Mike Flanagan resurgence, who did Gerald's Game and knocked it out of the park and also did Dr. Sleep, which I haven't seen yet. And um, the, the It movies were okay. And the It movies are both very good. The remake of Pet Cemetery, however, not so much. Ooh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although that's that, that book, in my opinion, is unfilmable, and they never should have made the first one in the first place. So that's a different issue in and of itself. I agree with that. Now, a lot of the things that we talked about on here, very, very quick and kind of to the point, because, you know, we don't have five hours to film and talk about, you know, every small little thing about each movie and stuff. And if there's movies on here, like I said before, that we didn't get to that you really liked or you didn't like, make sure you let us know because, you know, we, we really want to know about it and stuff. But, you know, we do need to wrap it up because we are running out of time. Um, Chris, go ahead and do all your plugs. Thank you so much. And again, you know, we could talk about horror forever. Um, really quick before my plug, I, I know that I think Ulrich had to walk away um, uh, because I heard a kid crying. Um, but I wanted to say he had texted me earlier that he said we wanted to say a movie that kind of summed up our feelings on horror. And mine, if you wanted me to leave you with that, would be Cabin in the Woods. I'm a very big fan of tongue-in-cheek, winky nods to other movies and a very big fan of horror and comedy mixed. And I just love how everything came together in that movie. Um, and I like movies that kind of tweak you into thinking it's one thing, but it's something else. So that for me was my perfect horror film of the decade, at least as far as what I need out of a horror movie. Um, but anyways, me, I'm the Chippa made this. I'm the Chippa, Chris Chipman, um, Chipman brothers, tangent, creating geeks, talk poster podcast and shooting the shit with Chippa. I also do hopped ones. That's a Patreon-only show where we drink beer, similar to Hot Ones, the Spicy Wing Show, except we drink beer and talk. Um, Patreon.com slash The Chippa. If you want to help me out, all the podcasts are free, but I do other exclusive stuff. 
And thank you guys so much always for having me on. Of course. And yeah, I did want to say that, you know, even though um, this movie isn't part of this decade, it was like early 2000s or whatever. But The Grudge, everything that Sam Raimi did with that movie, um, I absolutely love. It has all of the creep factors, all of the all the scares that I love in a movie in it. And I want to see more movies kind of like it. I'm hoping that the Grudge remake is somewhat okay. I have somewhat high hopes for it. Um, but yeah, so since Ulrich's not here, I guess I will go ahead and plug his thing. He is the co-host of Geeks Who Haunt, which is my brother podcast. Him and Axel Wright talk about everything geeky and nerdy. And... They have a lot of fun doing it. And Chris, he's on there quite often because he's one of our good friends, along with a lot of other big name people. So if you want to listen to anything like that, go ahead over to Patreon. Um, our Patreon, Geeks with Shields. We have a Twitter. We have a Facebook. We have um, pretty much all the things where you can find a podcast. We're on it. And I just want to say for my horror tip number 3,875, make sure that you check on Jesus Christ, whatever. I don't want to do a horror tip. All right. Good night, Chris. Wait to go skinny <laughs> dipping till it's not the anniversary of the death of the masked killer. You're I welcome. know that was just, <laughs> that was just written down as a stupid thing. So that I, I like that one though. Something out. Yeah. I don't know. 